Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team fucking here. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here, nigga. Started from the Welcome bottom. Welcome in everybody to another edition of the Guys Girl Show. My name is Blythe Bremleaf. And we are here with you every Monday and Friday recapping and previewing all of the sports and entertainment action that you might have missed, that you might not know about. And today is a very, very, uh, I guess, important day for our nation because everybody's talking about the inauguration. And since I've been sort of living under a rock, not really living under a rock, but I've chosen to just ignore all the political stuff and just um, focus on other entertainment options. And so I'm going to get into uh, some Game of Thrones talk. I finally finished the season, so I'll talk about that later on. And then um, we'll get into some football action and some more some more uh, movie news that just came out within the past couple days. So I'm going to go ahead and just jump right in because we only have three more football games left in this season. And it's sort of just flown by. I feel like we spend all year long waiting for football season. And then when it starts, it's just a whirlwind for a few months. And then all of a sudden, you're, it, it, it ends. And then you have so much extra time that you can do other things with, like watch uh, six seasons of Game of Thrones in, in, in 17 days. So that's, uh, that's currently where I'm at right now. Um, but Sunday, coming up on Sunday, we had the big matchups of the AFC and the NFC Championship Games. We have Green Bay and Atlanta starting at 3.05 and then Eastern Standard Time. And then we have Pittsburgh at New England starting at 6.40, so a little bit earlier uh, kickoff for that night game, which I really, really like. I know and a lot of East Coasters like. And a couple little notes. I mean, I'm sure most football fans know where we sort of stand with these four teams going into this game, but a few little notes that I picked up over the week that I thought was really, really interesting. I'm going to start with the NFC Championship game with Green Bay at Atlanta. Both of these offenses, the over-under is set at currently at 60 points. 60 points. So that means this game is going to be an offensive shootout. That's what Vegas thinks anyways. So both of these offenses, they're going to score a ton of points. It's going to be a battle between Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is red hot, and Matt Ryan has a slew of weapons to to uh, sort of divvy out. Unlike Aaron Rodgers, who is missing, he's going to be missing Jordy Nelson, probably, his top wide receiver. He's on his third string running back. I think it's actually a wide, technically a wide receiver or a fullback that's playing running back for Green Bay right now. But I heard this interesting note that if Atlanta, because they have such a, a, a not a diverse offense, well, yeah, pretty much a diverse passing offense and a rushing offense um, for that team. But if you stop, the key to stopping, I think, that Atlanta offense is stopping the run game. Because if you stifle their game, Green Bay essentially has a chance. I don't know that they have a chance that they focus on just the passing aspect with Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. But six times this season, Atlanta has had less than 100 yards and their record is 500. So three and three. So I think the game plan going into that game for Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers and, and the defense, obviously, because the defense is going to have a, a, a big, big uh, hand. They're going to have their hands full pretty much facing off against that Atlanta offense. But if they focus on one aspect of that Atlanta offense, then they can make Matt Ryan throw the deep ball. And and if he throws the deep ball, then you have, I mean, there's still a great chance that he's going to succeed on it. But everybody knows in the NFL that you have to have that balanced approach. And so if Green Bay's tactic is to take care of that or to stifle that run game, then they at least have somewhat of a chance. And then that brings me to... 
the AFC Championship game because I think a lot of people, including myself, really want to see a Rodgers versus Brady Super Bowl uh, just because of the the historical aspect of it. You're talking about two future Hall of Famers battling against each other, and and what better way? This is sort of like the the football dessert of the season in order to be able to to see those two guys face off against each other, but. If the worst, not worst case scenario, but if Green Bay somehow manages to upset Atlanta, who is right now a five point favorite, I think they're close to a six point favorite now. I think that line has moved a little bit. But if somehow Green Bay can upset Atlanta and then go on to face either Big Ben or Tom Brady, and I think that that's going to be a stellar quarterback matchup. And let's just face it, at this point in the season, everything matters about your quarterback. And going into the Pittsburgh New England game, there was a report that released yesterday that a lot of Steelers players, about 15 people in the Steelers facility, are suffering flu-like symptoms. Three players were actually sent home on Thursday. So that's already started kicking up a little bit of the conspiracy theories that, you know, like maybe Bill Belichick rubbed, you know, some infected patients down with a bunch of blankets and then shipped it over to, to Heinz Field in order to infect the Steelers players probably didn't happen, um, but I, no, I'm not going to say I would be surprised because that would never happen. I think that Belichick and Brady can beat the Steelers, and I, but I, this is such a going to be an I think an evenly matched game. I think we saw a couple little chinks in the armor with New England last weekend. They were faced against, especially with Brady, we, they were faced against the number one defense in the league. But could you imagine that if somehow, if, if Brady ends up winning this game and then wins the Super Bowl, imagine the look on Roger Goodell's face if he has to take the Lombardi Trophy and hand it over to Tom Brady and that the year after, or the same year that he has the four-game suspension for Deflategate, I just think that that, is, that, that that would be the icing on the cake for, for Tom Brady's career and just the, you know, the, the NFL's... I guess the the fans who hate Roger Goodell, that could really be the icing on the cake for that. Um, But a couple little notes that I wanted to bring up, too, is that Brady, in conference championship games, he's played in 10. 10 conference championships games. He has 13 touchdowns and 12 interceptions in 10 conference championship games. Only two of those games, he's actually thrown for more than 280 yards. So that's a little bit eye-opening as far as Tom Brady's numbers, because you think of him as having this... Uh, I mean, obviously, he's been to 10 conference championship games, so he's a very talented quarterback, and he's uh, he's been to, I don't know how many, four Super Bowls, four, no, he's won four, and he's been to six, um, but that's, I, I just think that Tom Brady, he's facing against tougher competition whenever he reaches these conference championship games, and he was really, really frustrated last week playing against that number one ranked Texans defense, so I think that this is going to be a really, I, I think it's going to be a lot, because this is another five and a half point game in favor of New England, and and I think that this is going to be a lot closer than people think. I think Pittsburgh is going to give them a run for their money. And I think that they're definitely going to keep it under that five points. Uh, th- this could be, I-, I want to say that this game is going to be better than the Green Bay Atlanta game. But if you had, if you, if you, if you take a gun and you put it to my head and I had to pick somebody that's going to be playing in this Super Bowl, I want, I'm going to say that it's New England and it's Atlanta. But if it's not New England and Atlanta and say Green Bay and Pittsburgh go, this is a cool little stat. Last time both road teams won in the conference championship game was in 2012. And guess who the host cities were? New England and Atlanta. So could this be a situation where history is repeating itself? We're going to find out starting at 3 p.m. Eastern on Sunday.
And so moving into a little bit more of some sports stories that you might have missed, the NBA All-Star Game lineups were announced. A lot of hubbub was made about Russell Westbrook, Oklahoma City point guard, for not starting in the All-Star Game, not getting selected. Harden, James Harden and Steph Curry got the nod over him. And Bleacher Report put out this uh, this stat, or it was not stat, it's their little graphic that they put on their Instagram account. But Russell Westbrook has more triple doubles than the starting five All-Stars combined. He has 21 triple doubles this season, and the starting five combined have 19. That's an incredible stat. But I think it goes to show why he's not in the starting lineup is players don't like playing with him. I think that's evident by by Kevin Durant leaving last season. And fans don't, outside of OKC, I don't know that how many fans actually like Russell Westbrook. I happen to like him, but I can see how he's a huge pain in the ass. He's a little dramatic, makes a lot of stuff out of nothing. He got bumped the other day during the matchup with um, with the Warriors, and he, and he said that he was going to pay him back. And he it looked like... That, you know, just somebody bumping into you in line. Like it wasn't, it, it wasn't a hard foul. It wasn't, I don't even think it was called a foul, but Russell Westbrook has a little bit of a tendency to be a little bit of a crybaby. But if he uses that to advance, to his advantage, and I think that's proof that he has 21 triple doubles this season, that, um, he can sort of make, I, don't, I guess something out of nothing or just make, he's essentially the star of the team and everybody else is just, you know, hoping to just get the ball passed to him. Also this week, the MLB Hall of Fame inductees were announced. Jeff Bagwell, Tim Raines, and Pud Rodriguez, who's my a personal favorite of mine. They all get in. Manny Ramirez, Roger Clemens, and Barry Bonds were all left off of the, because probably of steroid bias. Um, you need 75% approval rating. Bonds and Clemens got more than 50. Manny got around 30, 35%. But what's interesting is that these guys who are sort of in the steroid era, each year that they're eligible to vote or eligible to get in, their numbers go up slightly. It upticks slightly for these guys. So Bonds and Clemens and Manny had all increased slightly. The one person that it decreased, Kurt Schilling. And he was on Clay Travis's show, Outkick the Coverage, this morning, and he was talking about how he he believes that the reason that his voting percentage, he lost 7% this year, and he believes that the reason his voting percentage has gone down is because there are a lot of sort of stick-in-the-mud, liberal, very, very liberal type uh, baseball writers who are vote are downvoting him, essentially, or not putting him on the ballot at all because of his political opinions. And I'm of the, I, I'm of the opinion, I'm, I'm a very middle-of-the-road as far as politics is, is concerned. I got some shit I'm liberal about, I got some shit I'm conservative about and I think that's the case for the for the majority of Americans um, but this to me is complete bullshit because Kurt Schilling it, it, he to me revitalized the culture and two for two different franchises and if it wasn't for you know one of the greatest performances ever in the 2004 ALCS by Kurt Schilling with the bloody sock and all that stuff I I, I, I believe that he should be put in the hall because of his on the field actions take away the off the field actions because if you think about it, the the way that media has covered these sports stars, especially in the past, you know, five to ten years with social media, with with all that comes with social media and players increasingly vocal and increasingly, you know, their their personalities. It's just a situation where you can't have that alter your opinion of their on the field performance. We don't know what we don't know if Ty Cobb would have taken a Facebook Live video like Antonio Brown in the locker room. We don't know if he would have cheated on his wife or if he were, you know, you murdered somebody in a back alley or something. We don't know those things because it's a different time. It was a different age. And like I said, off the field, 
shouldn't matter. I don't care about your political opinion. I just care about what you did on the field. And Kurt Schilling, to me, belongs in the Hall of Fame. And there is zero excuse for him actually losing percentage points. He should be gaining percentage points. But, I mean... You know, it is what it is. Baseball writers, and they're so finicky, and it's so frustrating. And I think that that's, they, they need to sort of wake up and realize that they that this astute feeling about themselves, and nobody else cares, uh, you know, about your astute feelings and your political opinions. Just vote on the game and keep your personal opinions out of it. So moving on to to another little story that sort of it sort of has a good tone to it because Johnny Menzel, who I know a lot of you guys I probably just said that name and you you probably just started rolling your eyes about it, but Johnny Menzel called himself a douche in 2016 and he says he's he's vowing to change again and he sent out a couple little uh, Twitter responses about um, we, we talked about a few weeks ago he uh, it was reported that he is going to be charging $50 for a selfie during the Super Bowl at a local mall which is as sad as it sounds Johnny Manziel actually came out and denied those reports said it was stupid said he he would never charge $50 for a selfie because he wants to embrace the people that have supported him especially those that have supported him in 2016 so he sends out a few tweets thanks to the people that he stood by him throughout that entire time and he he vows to be better this year he says he's working out like five or six days a week to try to get back into the nfl it's probably not ever going to happen for him um but he said he had some rough patches in 2016 he said he was also hashtag lost in the sauce um so but i i i you know i sort of feel for him he's he's a kid who's always had things handed to him. He's never really had somebody come down on him. He got everything he wanted. He grew up in a rich, wealthy family. He was at Texas A&M, and he he was never, you know, disciplined for his behavior off the field. And and so I think they sort of created a monster, and, and that monster sort of came to a head whenever you get to the NFL, and your talents and your skills are exposed a little bit if you're not completely focused on the game. So I sort of root for the kid. I hope he does better, but, I mean, he's got to prove it now, and I think he knows that, so hopefully he, he makes a little turn for the better. So there's uh, this other story that came up this week. That an NFL owner, Steve Biscotti of the Ravens, he wants to, and I, I uh, Biscotti, I, I'm, I think I'm pronouncing that name wrong. I think that's actually a restaurant name. Um, but he wants to reduce the amount of commercials in an NFL game. And I, and I think a lot of fans, once you hear that, it's like, hallelujah. Yes, we've been screaming this for a few years now. But I think this year in particular is particularly alarming because you had instances where you're watching live games and they're coming back from commercial break and the ball's already been snapped and the play is already going on. And you're like, what the hell's going on? And so you're, you're, I, I realize that networks like ABC and NBC, or, or not necessarily ABC, but NBC and and the likes of ESPN and all those, you know, the rest of the channels that have games on, they have, you know, commercial obligations and, and ad deals that they have to take care of. But I think it's on the NFL to reduce these amount of ads, specifically when it comes to missing plays because of it. Because if you... if There was an old um, stat that was sent out years ago that the average time that action goes on in the NFL, you know, it's 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 four quarters, it's sixty minutes, but the actual time that they're playing during the game is something like three minutes and forty seconds. So if you're missing even a second of the action, 
I am extremely furious, and I think a lot of fans would, would are extremely furious. This cannot happen. And so kudos to this Ravens owner for sticking up. I, I think a lot of times, you know, the owners are seen as sort of money-grubbing and that they um, that they'll do anything at all costs for the, you know, the sake of the shield and to, to benefit their pockets. Um, but they're just, they are diminishing the game itself and diminishing the desire and the need to watch a game live. Because we saw that with this season that rating NFL ratings dipped a little bit, and that's probably because of the election. Um, they dipped up a little bit, but these, especially during the playoffs, we haven't really had a really good game until Green Bay-Dallas. The rest of the games that were on were, you, you could easily miss them. So if you are missing action during the game for the sake of commercials, you're only going to continue to uh, deter those viewers from watching it live, because what, what do we have in this modern-day society? We have people who want things on demand they want it commercial free and they want they, they want what they want when they want it and why would I sit down to watch a you know a three four hour football game for 60 minutes of action I'm using air quotes here but for 60 minutes of action and you're only really getting five minutes tops of actual action and you're going to interrupt that for a commercial break so kudos to, to to Steve for saying this the Ravens owner and he actually went on to say it doesn't take a genius that to figure out that nobody wants to see two minutes of commercials, come back, kick the ball, and then go to a minute and a half of commercials. It's like, I've thought that was absurd since I was 20 years old. Now, he's probably in the minority as far as owners who are going to comment on this, so that's why I sort of give him a little bit of a extra kudos for, for speaking out on this. But I think the NFL has operated as if they're untouchable. And for the first time... This season, we've sort of seen, especially with the ratings, it's a little bit of a ratings dip. And I want to be, you know, fair to both sides that the NFL has experienced record ratings each and every year. Ratings have always gone up. They're still the number one ranked show on on any kind of primetime network uh, any day of the week. Anytime an NFL game on, it easily outperforms the next best thing that's on television at the moment. But those ratings dipped have sort of peaked and they started to drop a little bit this year. Is it concerning? A little bit, but I think it's more concerning about the future of the league and how people watch and how people interact with the product because if you listen to other fans, other fans are increasingly not going to the games because they feel isolated. It's more about the corporate dollar. And then if you have this society that sort of lives in this on-demand culture of, of not wanting commercials, what they're going to do is they're going to stop paying, they're, they're going to stop watching the games altogether and just catching up on highlights and, and, and just watching it that way. I, I would say that that's probably a good deterrent. If you're sick of the commercials, if you're sick of, of, you know, turning on a game and then they come back from commercial break and they've already, and they've already hiked the ball, then you could easily, you could cut the cord. You could just watch highlights later on at a variety of different platforms that all have different highlights. Or you could DVR the game and skip through all the commercials. So that, that's a few different options. I don't know about the, the, as far as like the future because I, I can understand a lot of fans' arguments is why would I want to sit down for four hours every single Sunday to watch one game and then it's only 10 to 15 minutes of actual action. So I guess, you know, to each their own, but I think the NFL's really got to do something about that um, in order to to control, I guess, the narrative that they do care about their fans. Um, but... In other news that probably shows that they don't care about their fans is that the Raiders, we talked about this on Monday show, but the Raiders officially filed their relocation papers to move the team from Oakland to Vegas. Now, San Diego is still going through it 
as far as the Chargers leaving for Los Angeles. There's moving companies that have said that they're not going to move the Chargers in both San Diego and in Los Angeles. So there's a, a huge backlash as far as the Chargers moving that have been in that city for something like 56 years. So there, there's a huge backlash for this. But I think that this Raiders move to Vegas is largely embraced for fans outside of Oakland. Um, me, personally, I love the move. I love the idea of the Raiders in Vegas. I love the idea of going to, you know, traveling to see the Jaguars play in Vegas. If, I, if I'm going to pick an away game to go to and the Jaguars are playing in Vegas, I'm going to that every single year for the rest of my life. So that is, it, it, that, I think a lot of fans sort of feel that way. Um, it also brings up a good question. Is that going to be a home field disadvantage for the Raiders? If you have your stadium as sort of an away fan destination, you're going to be dealing with a lot of away fans. So is that going to be a situation where, you know, the Raiders will have to constantly feel like they're playing an away game, even when they're at home? That remains to be seen, but 24 out of the 32 owners still have to vote on this, and they'll probably vote on this move. They have to vote yes, obviously, um, but they'll vote on that, I think, in about five to six weeks. So well after the Super Bowl is over that this news will come out. So that about does it for, for sports news of the week that you might have missed. If you want to catch any of this show, you can always go back. And if you missed any of the live stream, you can always go back into iTunes or your podcast player of choice. And you can either rewatch the broadcast or subscribe in iTunes to Guys Girl Shows. And um, you'll be able to listen to the podcast format. Um, a little spruced up because I always like to put some good music in there as well. Um, but now is the portion of the show that I like to go into a little bit of around the internet because I, I am on the internet quite often, so I come across a lot of cool stories that I don't necessarily get to talk about um, when I'm doing my sports duties for you know 1010XL or, or any other uh, platform during the rest of the time of the week. So this is the part of the show that I get to talk about, like all the geeky and nerdy stuff that I love, love, love. Um, so speaking of which, there's a new trailer, the final trailer for Logan. It's the final... Hugh Jackman X-Men movie that he, he'll play, because he is, if you've seen any of these Wolverine movies, Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. I don't know that they'll be able to find a better Hugh Jackman to ever play this, but this is going to be his final movie. It's another R-rated super, superhero movie. We've sort of seen those becoming a trend with Deadpool becoming so successful with being an R-rated movie. And now Wolverine will be the same, justifiably so. Wolverine has always been an R-rated character, so it's really impressive to see this new trailer come out because it's also probably going to be the last time we see Professor Xavier, Sir Patrick Stewart, playing that role. Um, this movie releases March 3rd, and if you watch the trailer, there's a couple little nods. There's another little girl that we're not exactly sure about the, her relation to Hugh Jackman or, or to, Hugh, to Logan and, and Wolverine. So we're not exactly sure, but she has the same sort of superpowers. She has the claws. You see her going crazy. She's super violent, slashing people's throats. Um, so it's a really, it, it, it's a good trailer. Really, really good trailer. Um, so much so that a lot of fans are not going to be watching it. Even though this is the final trailer, a lot of fans have said, I'm not watching anything else because I don't want to be, I, I don't want to have any spoilers for this movie. Um, but it looks really, really good. So I'll include the trailer for this movie and the next movie I'm about to talk about in the show notes, which will be posted up on guysgirl.com um, this afternoon. But the other new movie I wanted to talk about is the new Power Rangers movie. Um, that movie comes out on March 24th. It's a live action. Um, if you remember 
during the cartoon, not cartoon, but during the, the show's height of popularity in the early 90s, uh, there was another Power Rangers movie that came out, and it was decent. I mean, it's, it's everything you would expect your, your, your 10-year-old self to really, really enjoy. And one Redditor put it best, that he said that this looks like the worst movie I'm going to watch five times. Because it is that, if you watch the trailer, it's, it's you know, it's five in, outcast teenagers that somehow discover that they have superpowers. Um, you get to see Rita, you get to see the Dragonzoid, you get to see Alpha, they all look great. Zordon is being played by Brian Cranston. He's uh, uh, Breaking Bad, which is probably going to be the next show I'm going to watch after Game of Thrones. Um, but I know him from Malcolm in the Middle. He was the dad on Malcolm in the Middle. Um, so he's actually playing playing Zordon in the movie, and he looks great, sounds great, um, but that's going to be coming out, a new Power Rangers movie on March 24th, I'll include that trailer as well on the show recap posted later on today, um, one little note that I thought a lot of you might like, if you browse the internet on your phone, which is probably the majority of Americans, but Google is going to start penalizing websites that have those annoying pop-up ads. Like the minute you, you, you click on a link and then you get to the article and you just want to read it and they have ads all over the place, it just makes for a terrible reading experience. I did want to point out though that if you have an, uh, a, an Apple phone, then all, or Apple iPhone, if you have an iPhone, what you can do is there's, you can enable reader mode on that and it'll get rid of a lot of those annoyances. But I like that Google's going to start penalizing websites for this practice that with the annoying pop-up ads because if you go to certain sites they'll have a pop over they'll have a pop under you can't just read what you want to read and then have a, a you know intake the content that you're trying to take in and then some websites will will send you to the app store so you can automatically download some bullshit app i hate those those are the, those are probably the the worst thing on the web, um, but I do I, I do appreciate Google sort of stepping up and saying that we're not going to tolerate this anymore. Um, so that's a good thing because on desktop you can install ad blockers, you, you can ignore all of those annoying ads, but on mobile it's still a little slow to the game. I've never put any kind of ads like that on Guys Girl. Never will. Never have done so. And so it, it's cool that Google will now treat sites like mine and like other people who who put content and the reader experience as a priority um, ahead of those. As far as search, search search engine rankings are concerned, they'll put a site like mine ahead of you know another spammy type site that just you know wants to load you down with a bunch of ads and make you know, five cents off of those ads. And that's the thing that those ads, they don't make much. They don't make hardly anything at all. It's like maybe two or three cents if the user actually clicks on the ad. So it's that's why I've never really seen so much value in them. I think it hinders the reader experience more so than what any kind of monetary funds that you could possibly get out of it. Um, moving on into more just why news, uh, and I wish this was actually fake, but Jinko jeans are making a comeback I didn't even know that they were still in business, but they sent out a tweet the other day that, you know, those super wide leg pants that looks like you can fit about four legs in one of the leg pants, they are releasing those pants again. They cost anywhere from like 60 to 100 bucks, and it just looks like the 90s just threw up all over the pants. They have that old, like, Jinko logo that looks sort of like Ed Hardy, and it's just, ugh. I don't know why any person would want to buy these, um, but it's a limited release. If you go to Jinko Jeans, J-N-C-O, jeans.com, 
Uh, you can check out all of them, and if you want to buy them, more power to you. I kind of wish this was fake news, but it, it's it's definitely not. And to something, moving on to something that's not fake news, but there's a company called Brocades. Well, the actual the, the the company name is Say It With Beef, and they're releasing these things called Brocades, and they're called you know Valentine's Day is around the corner, so that's probably why they're releasing these now. But it's a flower arrangement made of beef jerky, and it's in the shape of they can come in two different shapes. So it's either a rose or a, uh, a shaped as a daisy. And the arrangements cost $35 for a dozen. And they serve them in a pint glass that says say it with beef on, on the outside. So it's kind of a cool little take um, for flowers that, you know, that are going to wilt and they're going to die. Um, why not get some beef jerky instead? Um, why they're called brocades? I mean, I get it. I would actually love to get a brocade. So if they, if anybody wants to send me one, I will happily take it off of your hands or even share with one. I don't, I, I feel like that's a little, um, it's a little different. It's not stereotypical, uh, you know, to get the dozen red roses on, on Valentine's Day. It's sort of like, yeah, thanks for trying. Um, but this, I think, would be, that goes, that it sort of goes that you were, you were putting a little bit of extra thought into it, I think. Um, so this is a statement from the company, and it says, it doesn't take long for a bouquet of ordinary daisies to turn brown and be pushing up daisies of their own. Lame sauce. If you're looking for a gift that's fresher than fresh, you should say it with beef and send a brocade of daisies instead. Each dozen of these delicious flowers are handcrafted and made from over a half a pound, 100% quality beef jerky that will absolutely brighten anyone's day. So that's kind of cool. So if you wanted to try that, um, just look for, just Google search for say it with beef brocade. Um, in a case of good try, good effort, there's a woman who is now going to be facing jail time because she tried to sneak her husband or sneak her boyfriend out of jail in her suitcase. This is a 25-year-old Antonetta. She can't live without her boyfriend, Jose. He's serving nine years in a Venezuela prison uh, for car theft. And apparently overnight stays are commonplace in Venezuela prisons. Um, so she brought her six-year-old daughter and a pink suitcase to stay overnight to visit her boyfriend. And so apparently it was going really smoothly until the woman was seen struggling to leave the prison with her suitcase. And that's when officers said, uh, hold up, let's, there's something fishy going on here. Let's check it out. Open up the suitcase. And it was her boyfriend, like, contorted inside of the suitcase trying to cover himself with clothes. This is what the, the, the story had to say from geekology.com and they said their plan seemed to go smoothly as the woman was carrying the bright pink luggage she didn't make the guards suspicious at all but then it came crashing down when they eventually noticed the petite woman struggling to pull the seemingly light suitcase out the door they stopped her and asked her to open the suitcase so they could check its contents and left with no option but to comply with the guards demands the woman unzipped the baggage to reveal a young jose curled up like a professional contortist and covered with various clothing items. <laughs> to be fair, the, the the guy is 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 very small, and so is she. So uh, he looks all of a hundred pounds, and she looks all of eighty pounds. So I guess you know, good try, good effort. Um, but poor thing, they're both actually going to be going to uh, jail now. So <laughs> oh Jesus. So moving on into the final part of the show, that's Game of Thrones season six. Um, for those of you who have sort of watched 
I know Facebook Live, you guys are pretty new. Um, this is only our second Facebook Live show. And then on Periscope, we've been doing these shows for, for months now. Um, but I have been watching Game of Thrones. I am a huge sort of sci-fi film nerd. Uh, Lord of the Rings is my favorite franchise of all time. I love Harry Potter, Star Wars, all that good stuff. But one series I never got into because I, I haven't had HBO is Game of Thrones. And people have told me, yo, you're going to love the show. You have to watch it. But once you get past, like, once it's like a few seasons in, it's like, well, why, you know, I'm not going to start the show now, so I'll just wait until it, it, it finishes filming. Well, I got a wild hair up my ass, and after football season ended, literally like two days after Jaguar season ended, I should say, not football season in general, but after Jaguar season ended is when I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start Game of Thrones because they're coming up on their final season, so I'm going to watch, I'm going to get caught up, and then I want to watch the rest with everybody else. So... After I started, I started that on January 3rd. I finished it last night in 17 days. So 60, six seasons, 60 episodes. Each episode is at least an hour long. So that goes to show what my sort of social life or lack thereof has been like in the past few weeks. Um, but I welcome it because it's been such a great show. Um, I actually finished off in the past week watching the rest of the show. I finished off a pound of cheese balls. And that just, uh, I, 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 it, it cheese balls, like the, the very lightweight. Think of how many cheese balls you have to eat in order for it to weigh a pound. So that's what I've been doing is watching Game of Thrones and eating cheese balls. So I finished the cheese balls bag last night as well. Um, but overall thoughts on the show, it, it really is a great show. But I don't know how these people have the desire to continue living after all the shit that they've been through. Sansa's one of them. Jon Snow's another one. I mean, they most of the characters all die that you... Not most of them. Because somebody told me that before the series started. A lot of people do die, but a lot of the main characters do stay living. Which, you know, sorry, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't watched the show. But a lot of the good characters still stay living. I was really worried that Sam and Gilly were going to get killed off. They have not been killed off yet. They're probably the cutest little couple in, in Game of Thrones. And I also thought that I would somehow become un- immune to throat slashing, and I, I, I you don't. Um, it, each death, each season sort of gets more grotesque, gets more um, just, I have to look away because some of that stuff I can't stomach. especially with, like, some of the scary moments with, like, the Battle of the Dead, because I don't do zombies whatsoever. I am not a Walking Dead fan. I will never watch that just because it creeps me out, and and I I have nightmares, and I'm 33 years old. I'm too old to be having nightmares. So uh, during some of, like, the more violent and sort of creepy scenes in Game of Thrones, I'm watching it with, you know, my ears covered and my eyes squinted um, because I don't want to get scared and I don't want to have nightmares. Um, But there's definitely a lot of gore, a lot of death in it. The worst death was uh, the guy getting his face squeezed to death and his eyes popping out. Um, I I sort of bitched about this during the entire time that I've been watching it, but sort of a penis update. Um, We did get to see another one. It was, he was complaining about that he might have herpes, but I guess you got to take what you can get. That marks two, I would say two decent shots compared to probably 1,200 pairs of breasts that I've seen 
over the past six seasons of Game of Thrones. Um, so it was sort of, you know, I guess you got to take the good with the bad, whatever. It's a great show. Um, but slightly, speaking of something that's slightly more attractive, favorite character, and I think I speak for a lot of women when I say that Jon Snow is, is very attractive, I actually went and found um, the actor Kit Harington. I found his Instagram profile, and I went through and liked about 30 pictures, so I'm, I'm sure that doesn't seem obsessive at all, um, in case he was looking at this, like, who is this strange girl liking all of my photos on Instagram. Um, but he's the king of the north now. Um, we even got to see his booty a little bit in, in one of the episodes, which was nice. Um, another great character was Ramsey. He was scary good. And I was really, um, I, I guess the best way to put it, like I, his, his death was welcomed, but also very frightening. I've never seen a dog attack someone's face before. And that's sort of, I guess, you know, Sansa's sweet revenge against him. So he was a great actor. I was glad he died. I was worried when Jon Snow was, like, punching him to death that they left him alive. And I thought that he was going to somehow, like, break free or something. Nope. Turns out, you know, Sansa just sicks the dogs on him. And um, he, he sort of gets the justifiable karma death. Uh, one big, I mean, not one big, but a, a big theme of this show has been, and especially touching for me that I relate to, is the powerful female leaders in this show. We had the Lady Mormont, who who looks like all of 10 years old, and she's easily one of the smartest people in the room. Um, Ira declaring her name again. She's not, you know, the girl without a name or some bullshit like that for that many-faced god. Um, but she says she's going home. She's become like a cold-blooded assassin, so I'm a little worried about her mental state. Um, then Cersei, she's, I mean, speaking of mental state, Cersei is, I, I know she's insane, but I really like her character. And I thought that, and I shouldn't have laughed at this, but whenever she blows up the church and then she brings in um, the Sparrow's little, you know, I, I guess, right-hand maid and brings her in and locks her down to the table and she's telling her to confess and pouring wine all over her face. And then she brings in her big ogre of a man protector and leaves him in the room with her. And she leaves the room and she's shouting, shame, shame. Like that, that to me, I shouldn't have laughed at a, a woman on TV, potentially, probably getting raped, but Cersei's moment in that, I'm like, oh man, she's, and now she's queen, um, so that's going to be an interesting thing to, to see what comes up during the next season. Also, the head nod between Khaleesi and the um, Yara Greyjoy, when they're having that moment, whenever they're talking about, you know, uh, Yara, Khaleesi asked Yara, she had, you know, the Iron Hills ever had any queens? And she said, no, that we're, I'll be the first one. And they sort of give each other a head nod because obviously Khaleesi is, you know, the, the, the first queen in, in her respective rights. And then when Khaleesi's little soldier man friend, when she tells him that you can't come with me. You can't come with me to King's Landing. And he's like, I want to come with you. I will, I will still be your mistress. And, and I don't care who you have to marry, you know, for political reasons. She's like, no, no, no. You're not coming. You're staying here. And when she <laughs> tells him that he can't go, he's so shook. Like, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what to think of himself as a, as a man. And I think that that's sort of even commonplace in today's age. Because if you pick your career over a man, they don't know what to do. And they sort of go a little crazy. I speak from experience. Um, but, um, going on to, into, and, and then the way, one more thing about Khaleesi, cause I know that, you know, some people get upset when I, when I call her Khaleesi, I know that's sort of like the, I guess the queen name for her, that you know, she got, she's got 30 goddamn names that she goes by. And so I'm going to learn more about all that stuff. Um, all of the lore of the show, the history of it, um, now that the show is done. So I'll be able to dive into a lot of that, but I love that moment when Khaleesi, they end the show. And she is leading the ship 
the first ship to go back to King's Landing. And what she did is, or, or not what she did, but it's a, it's a great come up moment, right? Because she started from the bottom and now she's fucking here. So, um, good on Khaleesi. Uh, we'll, I'll, I'll get her name down whenever I start reading, you know, more of the lore about it because that's been one of the most, and I talked about this before, but I think that's been one of the most challenging parts of this show is that I'm so used to watching a movie or, or watching an episode or watching a series and then going right to the internet and then searching like all the fan theories and, and go and researching further so I can learn as much as I can, um, it, it, before, you know, the next series starts. And I wasn't able to do that with this show. So it's been difficult to keep track of, you know, to, to keep the names intact and to keep the history and the lineage intact. So I'm, I'm looking forward to actually diving down deep, but I, I, I really, really, I, I want to say that this is the best show that I, I, one of the best shows that I've ever watched. I, I think Lost for me still has that number one spot, um, just because sort of it's the opposite of how I watched Game of Thrones with Lost. I, I watched every episode and, you know, after the season ends and you got to wait for a year for the next series, next season to start. And so it leaves room for like a lot of fan theories and, and talking about it with your friends and your family and all that good stuff. Wasn't able to do that with Game of Thrones, but during the final season, I should be able to do that with the rest of America or the rest of the world, I guess I should say. Um, so that is going to be uh, something I'm going to look forward to a lot. And I think it's been also sort of the, this show has been sort of a good distraction from the political garbage that you cannot get away from on the internet. Anytime I go on Twitter, that's all I freaking see and it's nauseating and it's and it's one reason why I, I just I Twitter has a mute feature like a keyword mute feature so I'm seriously considering just muting the word Trump from my timeline so that way I just don't have to see it I just want to see interesting stories and and I know it's important to probably follow what our president is doing but I just can't take the the internet experts that are on a variety of these websites and it, it, it exhausts me and so game it watching Game of Thrones especially from a political aspect, has been sort of refreshing. So I, I'm going to be looking for another new show to dive into. I think Breaking Bad is going to be next on my list to watch. Um, but I think one more final note, that if, if if this show sort of taught me anything, especially with the political background and how people play each other in order to gain more power, is that if the wildlings and men can join together despite their differences in order to fight for a greater cause. And maybe that's a good sign that maybe the rest of us can do that during this inauguration day, during, you know, this Trump presidency. And hey, if you don't like it, organize your shit, get out there and vote, organize other people to get out there and vote and and, and just sort of take care of business instead of complaining on the internet constantly about it. Um, so that about does it for this show. I wanted to thank you guys for tuning in and thank you guys for watching. Um, we'll be back here on Monday to recap all of the championship games, any other news that you might have missed over the weekend, and um, I'll be happy to do it. I hope you guys have a great weekend, and um, I will see you back here Monday night at about 7 p.m.-ish, I think is, is a pretty good time. Um, so remember, Fridays... Around 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time getting started. Monday is about 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time getting started. we got a lot of good things coming up after the football season is completed. So I'm excited to share that with you guys. I um, hope you guys have a good weekend and um, enjoy the football action on Sunday. So.